Welcome to Audio Sketch, a chamber-made podcast dedicated to innovative artists working across performance, sound and music. I'm Rosalind Odes, and today I'm joining you from the lands of the Bunurong, Boonwurrung and Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation, also known as the City of Melbourne. This episode's art date is with composer, musician and performance maker Aviva Endine. Having originally trained as a clarinet player, Aviva's interest in embodied sound, intimacy and interactive compositions has led her down some very interesting creative pathways, which I'm curious to hear more about. Hi, Aviva. Hi, thanks for inviting me. (laughs) It's so nice to be chatting with you. As per audio sketch tradition, I'd like to start by asking, if you were a sound right now, what sound would you be? I love this question. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun and playful. Um, I feel like the sound I would be right now is kind of the sound of the wind when you're in a really intensely windy place and it's just like blowing at your face. And um, you can kind of play with it by moving your head from side to side. Yeah, there's something kind of intense about it, but with this playful quality. (laughs) Why that sound today? It just feels intense at the moment. It just feels so full on. There's everything happening after we've been in lockdown and I'm just not used to this pace, I suppose. But I guess there's something kind of enjoyable about that as well. You know, that feeling like when you're like on the beach getting blown through. Reminds me of my dog when we were a kid. He used to like always stick his head out the window when we were driving down the highway. (laughs) He was a cocker spaniel and his ears would like (laughs) press back against his face. (laughs) And you're kind of like, oh, that looks weirdly enjoyable. Yeah, that looks feeling. exhilarating and, and very appropriate choice of sound for someone with a background playing clarinet. I have actually been doing a little bit of experiments with cars and wind with Beck Jensen, so maybe I've been thinking more about these kinds of high-velocity wind sounds too. Mm. My first experience of your work was in the middle of lockdown where I had the unexpected pleasure of participating in your online interactive piece called Vibrato Virtual. And at the time, I remember feeling totally exhausted by all the Zoom events, as we all were. And so I was totally surprised by how delightful and communal that experience was. Can you describe that work for listeners who haven't had that experience? Yeah, so Vibrato Virtual is a sound work which invites the audience to become a a temporary collective of sound makers. Um, And the way that they're doing that is by manipulating the sound that's coming out of the speaker of their mobile phones. So they're provided with an audio track that I've made and then they follow the gestures that they see on screen, physical gestures, which manipulate the sound that's coming out of the phone so they can get rhythmic pulses or different kinds of distortions or manipulate the harmonics of the sound coming out of the speaker with their mouth um, by opening and closing and creating different vowel shapes. So the speaker of the mobile phone becomes this instrument. Mm. Yeah, I felt like I was having this intimate experience with my phone, um, experiencing it as an object as well, like it was somehow singing to me. 
and yeah. and phones are like especially during lockdown for like these real like lifelines of like almost appendages to our bodies yeah in the work there's a lot of um yeah really pressing the speaker up against your skin almost massaging yourself with it or it might have felt sometimes like you were almost shaving your face with mm-hmm. the vibrations And I think that that was something that I wanted to play with as well, aside from just the sonic outcome of playing with the phone in that way, playing, I guess, with the meaning of what we're actually doing and the absurdity of our intensely intimate relationship that we actually have with this object already. Mm. Um, Yeah, I feel like most people just always have it within arm's reach, 24 hours a day. We often think about it as a object which causes distraction or a sort of lack of attention, but the piece was actually quite long and quite meditative and quite focused this object was actually allowing everyone to join together and do something which is kind of the opposite of the function that it usually has so yeah playing with it as a very embodied experience of sound I thought was kind of an interesting subversion of that object Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should just play a little bit of of that sound just so people understand what the textures that that you were composing from in that work yeah sure seed idea for vibrato virtual come from? I'd been thinking for a while that I wanted to return to an idea for a format for a work, what I was calling a kind of video score. Quite a few years before that I'd made A Face Like Yours, which is a really simple piece that basically leads the audience through a series of actions, kind of tapping on foam earplugs that they have in their ears. So they're sort of hearing through bone conduction. And the work just never stopped being presented. It just people kept on asking me to put it on and it was so simple and it was this really intimate personal experience of sound hearing through the bone conduction from the earplugs into your bones but also this really collective experience and this experience that went from a very internal sound world to eventually breaking out into a world that you could hear through the air in the space. And... I had for a long time been kind of going, how did that just work so well and so easily? And could I ever make something like that again? And then Chambermaid actually put out this invitation to to apply for a commission for the High Viz Practice Exchange, um, which is a really beautiful gathering of people annually. And their invitation was around liveness and digital ah. and... Yeah, sometimes people just ask the right question and then it just arrived in my mind. I'd always been fascinated by that sound of what it's like to sort of manipulate the sound of a mobile phone with your mouth or Mm. just play with it, the kind of thing that you would do when you're bored. Yeah. I feel like a lot of good sound ideas come to you when you're just mucking around and, you know, I always knew that mobile phone speakers did that, but then to kind of think about a way that that could be like a very embodied way of interacting with sound that felt very accessible and um, something that an audience of general public would be able to do. Mm, I can totally see the thread from A Face Like Yours. And I should mention to listeners that you can experience a little bit of A Face Like Yours on your website 
Yeah, actually, the whole score is up there. I think yeah. all you need is a pair of foam earplugs. And I highly recommend it. I, I tried that yesterday and it's a great experience. It reminded me of being a child, the childhood wonder of um, you know, blocking your ears and unblocking them. Yeah. Um, but to have someone composing that and allowing us to be part of an interactive composition. Um, I'm not even that concerned about that I've composed the sound. It's really just an invitation to kind of enter that curious play space with sound. And I think that's what I'm doing in a lot of my works. In a way, I almost don't want to call them video scores anymore because it's not really a score. It's just a kind of invitation. It's a vocabulary of movement that will hopefully elicit interesting sounds. Mm. But if you decided to do something else, that would be totally fine. <laughs> I think you should do it, though. It's, really, it's a really focused... I think that, yeah. Yeah, that undersells it. I think it's a really beautiful, focused crafted experience actually Mm. like it feels like it's a very crafted journey having just performed that work on myself (laughs) yeah yeah and it's a nice thing to do together as well there's something nice again about the collective experience of doing it with a group of people it's so internal though can you hear other people when you've got earplugs on or is it more just you experience a group of people going through the same micro choreography yeah so the work is actually composed so that the first part of the piece is in the auditorium let's say is completely quiet like you could hear a pin drop, you can't hear anything, but people would be able to hear it in their own bodies. Mm-hmm. But there is a point about halfway through where it opens up into this more percussive space where people are tapping and eventually vocalising. Mm, beautiful. Looking at the list of interactive audio projects on your website, um, this intimate embodied approach to sound making is obviously a pathway you've been exploring for some time. What draws you to this inclusive way of working? I think I, ca- I came from a very formal classical training. That's um, why it's so curious. It's like you're giving away so much. Yeah. Like, come play with me. <laughs> I guess there was something about working in that world, you know, there were parts of it that I loved, extraordinary music and wonderful instrumentalists and craftspeople. But there's a sort of preciousness that I got quite tired of. I felt like I would often perform these pieces that I loved and would have spent a really long time practicing. And then you would perform them usually once after eight months of rehearsal. And it was almost as though the audience didn't feel entitled to have an opinion about it. And I kind of really wanted to bypass that. I was just like, what did you feel? What did you, what did it do to you? I was, if anything, more interested in what my mum thought about it or my friend from primary school because I wanted to know if it meant anything to other people. And I felt like that was really hard to do. And I guess I did have other ways of dealing with that within the classical music world of kind of trying to really engage with site specificity or like how we worked with lighting or movement or installation elements to kind of give people a way in. But yeah, I guess I kind of just have been going further and further down this path of like, how do I share my experience of curiosity for sound or like a joy in listening with other people? And I'm kind of interested now just in seeing how far you can take that, um, this handing over of of the experience I suppose like a work like a face like yours is really just going hey have you ever listened to what it sounds like to have earplugs in your ears and play with them because that's more or less you know what I was doing Mm. our piece like space guitar which I made with Dale Gorfinkel um a similar idea stethoscopes attached to elastic strings and that just came from I used to have this sun hat that had this elastic 
string that went around my chin and I would just be going on bushwalks and just playing on either side of my head. And I was like, this sounds really cool. A hat guitar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this sounds really cool. How could you make this something that other people can play with? Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of childlike wonder, isn't there, in those concepts? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, how far can you go with that? And at the moment I'm actually making a work which you came to the creative development of. Ah, stranger. Very, yes, very early workings of it. But it's, I guess that's the work where I'm going, how far can you take this? Could a group of strangers come into a space and collectively be responsible for creating the sound themselves? And I'm really just there as a host or as a guide. It's actually up to them to engage with the work and to follow their own curiosity to create the sound. To paint a picture kind of at the heart of that work was an invitation to walk into a room full of sound-making objects that you were invited to play with and record and then the things that we as the participants recorded were then recomposed or, or put together in a, a composition that we got to hear back at the end so we'd become part of a communal composition. Is that an accurate description of the invitation? Yeah, the invitation is basically to collectively generate a sound work. You essentially band together as a temporary collective, a sound-making collective. Mm. I was going to, I wanted to ask, uh, is community building part of what you're interested in? Yeah, I think that there already is a community. There's actually an extraordinary community around experimental music practice. And I guess I'm referring more to your particip- when you're inviting participants who may not be part of an experimental practice of just, mm. you know, someone that's been invited along. Mm. You and you, you're inviting people into the room, like you said before, people that, you know, you may not know anything about classical music or in this case experimental forms. Like, mm. is something you're trying to build in the room yeah. about community? Yeah. Well, I think it is, and it's actually kind of the central idea of this work, uh, Stranger, which is coming up. It's Trying to give a bit of a sense of something that I feel like I've experienced a lot in my life, the sort of generosity of that outsider position or that stranger position um, and actually how sometimes when you clearly don't know anything about, say, the culture of someone's home or the culture of, you know, a language or a particular scene, that it can elicit this extraordinary generosity from the host so that rather than kind of going, oh, you're not one of us, you don't know. They kind of go, oh, you don't know, come in, let us show you because we want you to join in and we want you to have a good time and actually it's good for us if you have a good time as well. And I guess I feel like that's something I have got to experience quite a lot as a musician, also as a touring musician, you know, where you find yourself in these extraordinary places and situations and, um, yeah, I definitely feel like my, my life has been so much richer for those experiences. So... I suppose I feel like the experimental music world, like that is my culture and that is the thing that I want to share with people, like that curiosity and that opening out of practice to go, oh, you you know, you can engage with this too. It's in many ways really simple, just following your interest and following what you're hearing. Mm. That's kind of what we're all doing. At the same time, I don't want to discount the fact that it's also extremely complex Stranger is also bringing into the work quite a range of different other artists who are collaborating with me who have extremely developed, beautiful, lifelong practices that they're generously also sharing. It's Carolyn Connors and Dale Gottfinkel, Clinton Green and Laura Altman who have shared these installations which are kind of part of their 
improvised music practice and mm. very generously tried to think of ways that they could modify them so that they become instruments that anybody can play. Mm. Mm. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing how that work continues to develop. Mm. And I imagine a big part of creating that work is having the right invitation. You're giving permission and what sort of permission are you giving? Like being a host or a guest, there is a, there is an art to the hospitality. There's a lot of thinking around just how to create the invitation, the right invitation uh, in work like this. Absolutely. And I feel like it's the balance in making, I guess, participatory work is finding that space where, well, first of all, acknowledging that you're not going to please everybody and that everyone has different personality types and they need different things. Mm. But Yeah, trying to find the space so that the person who's the most worried about doing the wrong thing is going to feel comfortable and the most anarchic doesn't feel stifled. It's always a tricky balance and I feel like that's the thing that needs to be refined always. Mm. Lots of test audiences, I imagine, in this process (laughs) to get that right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, great. After experiencing... Vibrato Virtual, the first work I experienced of yours, I started following you on Instagram during lockdown, as you do with your new art crushes. And I came across two little audio experiments uh, you posted of yourself playing with one of those binaural head microphones. And I would love, if it's okay with you, to just share this little insight into your lockdown activities with our listeners. Sure. I can't remember exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) So the first post you put up involved using the binaural head almost like a theremin, like moving your hands across the head and the microphones to create a little feedback composition. And then the second post you put up with the head was you blowing air through what looks like fish tank tubing into and around the ears of the head. And I kind of fell in love with your mind after watching those. I was like, oh, yeah, she's having a really creative lockdown. <laughs> Did those Instagram posts grow into anything or are they growing into something? Yeah, well, it's funny. Things always grow into other things, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, actually I did end up making a whole track on my new album, um, which is working with the sort of binaural feedback, kind of almost as this weird electronic layer in a track but then also used the same head to overlay um, several tracks of very up in your ear close kind of wind sound so yeah I was kind of interested in that the possibilities of that kind of recording I suppose you know there's all kind of rules about binaural recording apparently it's terrible for listening back to in speakers and all this stuff but I was just really excited about it and I was recording my album for on my own during lockdown and in a kind of strangely transient experience of lockdown, actually, because last year I was a resident at the Peggy Glanville Hicks home in Sydney. So I was supposed to be there for the whole year, but then during lockdown I had tried to escape to Victoria um, and done <laughs> quarantine for two weeks at my mum's house, who 
was extremely generous and let me stay there for two weeks and I sort of found myself not with all the things I needed but I did have that binaural head um (laughs) and so I sort of just started mucking around and it was a total mistake that I forgot to change the audio preferences in my jaw and then suddenly my laptop was creating this feedback and I was like you know what, that's actually pretty cool. Um, I love those happy accidents. Yeah, (laughs) it's weird. The whole album actually feels like these sort of strange gleanings of things that I found then or things that I found that I'd never done anything with before but sort of found myself with a bit more time to play with them or explore or, you know, instruments or speakers that became available to me in the the various places that I got stuck. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I sort of actually weirdly created it in a lot of different places even though it was largely in a year of lockdowns wow I can't wait to hear that that sounds like really excited unexpected pathway again and I love that you're just so open to following you know what the environment you're in offers I also know that between lockdowns and going back and forth between Sydney and Melbourne, one of the joyful things that came from being in Sydney was swimming in the ocean Mm. and knowing you're a bit of a harvester do you feel like there's something that you've harvested from your experiences with the ocean while you were in Sydney on that residency? Mm. Creatively, I feel like I've always been really excited by water, looking at the reflections and the the light patterns on the surface of water is just my go-to place for being able to access, I suppose, a bit of a meditative mindset. I find the sort of seemingly constant repetition and patterns but actually constantly shifting is really, really stimulating at the same time as really hypnotic. Yeah, being able to experience that a bit more from within the water was really incredible and and also to experience light from underwater. Just something that I just find really fascinating and beautiful and inspiring just just as a space to kind of visually imagine when I'm playing. Mm. And there is another track on my upcoming album which is as yet untitled but... It's basically influenced by that feeling, Mm. watching the water. In addition to the new album you're working on, your solo album, Cinder Ember Ashes, was described by reviewers as captivating, sophisticated, stunning and trance-inducing. How does your background as a clarinet player inform your approach to the more cross-disciplinary work we've been discussing? Yeah, um, well, I love the clarinet. It's a beautiful instrument, but I also love that it's... I guess it's a real instrument, it's an acoustic instrument, it has its limitations. So it's always going to be connected to your breath, your fingers, what you can do with it. You know, it can't do lots of things that other instruments can do. And I think that that does carry through with me now, even as I start to work more with electroacoustic composition. And I feel like I'm always trying to find the parameters of what I'm working with. I find that there's kind of almost nothing more creatively unstimulating than like every possibility being open to you Mm. Um, and I feel like sometimes electronic music can feel a bit like that like there's just endless doors that can be opened and you just have to choose whether you're going to go through it or not nice pun there too doors 
Oh, digital <laughs> audio workstations, favorite lingo. <laughs> Actually, one of the swimming groups I was swimming with in Sydney was a whole bunch of women who were sound engineers and artists, and it was called the Dorsals. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I like what you said about, yeah, having restrictions. I think mm. it's a really creative space, the boundary of things. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes I just do think about that as a composition, like particularly on Cinder Amber Ashes that you mentioned earlier. That basically was the composition. It was essentially improvised music, but the composition was the instrumentation or the limitation that I'd put on myself. So mm. in one track I'm playing the clarinet through a tiny pocket amplifier and then it's kind of like what can I do with that I've got to hold this with one hand so then I only have one hand to play different notes so suddenly mm. my instrument's limited in this one way but this whole other sound world's being opened up track where I'm playing the clarinet into a timpani so the only way I can get the timpani to resonate is if I'm playing the particular notes where the air is coming out of the bell of the instrument so again I'm kind of limiting my pitch material of the instrument but then opening up this whole other world mm. noticed now as well I'm working a bit more in theatre and dance it's like the material has to come from the work somehow it doesn't feel like I could just bring in any track I've just mm. been working in on and just say oh yeah I made this track it's mm. really cool you should put it in the show it feels like it's got to come from the the factual material or the mm. something that happened in the room in mm. the rehearsal room or from the voices of the performers mm that responsiveness yeah responsiveness and using that as a generative mm. element this feels like a good time to share the audio sketch aviva has recorded for us on each episode i invite our guest artists to contribute a draft audio experiment or field recording that offers a little insight into something they're exploring or thinking about at the moment aviva did you want to tell us a bit about this recording before we hear it yeah so i've been doing a bit of playing outdoors or as Jim Denley would put it in weather and yeah I find it a really interesting process I'm still finding my way with it and yeah trying to figure out what it is to play my sounds my instruments in landscapes in sonic environments but yeah endlessly kind of curious about how it interacts with acoustics how it interacts with who else is living there what else is happening and it just feels like a journey that I've got a lot further to go with Great, let's have a listen.
My last question is, in terms of sound-based artists that you find inspiring, who do you have an art crush on at the moment? (laughs) I love this question too. I love the idea of an art crush. Well, there's so many people, but I feel like something about the idea of a crush is that there's still something a little bit unknown because after that you're just in love with them. So I would say I have an art crush on local artist Arti Jadu. I don't know if you know her. No, I'd love to tell me more. She's amazing. I I feel like we've kind of been spiralling around each other for a, a little while. And, yeah, she's an incredible musician but she's also doing some really interesting things in the sort of participatory sound art world as well and it's like I don't quite fully understand what it is which is probably part of my intrigue and Mm. um you know also just as a musician she's incredible she's just released this album they're called De La Caz I Mm. don't know if I'm pronouncing it entirely right but it's just incredible she's working um a lot with a vocal practice in informed by Hindustani vocal practice um but with intense really obvious auto-tune which Mm. I just find such an incredible intriguing sound it's a really really well-made piece of work and she makes incredible film clips as well she's just an all-round legend great well we'll put a link to the album you mentioned in the notes for this episode so that everyone can have a little listen to your crush (laughs) It's been so nice to talk to you. Thanks for being so generous and and sharing um, your thought process and practice. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners will will really get a lot out of that as I have. So thank you very much, Aviva. Thank you. You've been listening to Audio Sketch, a chamber-made podcast hosted and produced by Rosalind Odes with title music by Thea Fiel. This episode's art date with Aviva Endine was recorded in Melbourne on the lands of the Bunurong, Boonwurrung and Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation. All musical excerpts specific to this episode were composed by Aviva Endine and are provided courtesy of the artist. Audio Sketch has been made possible by the Australia Council and was commissioned as part of Chambermaid's High Viz Practice Exchange. High Viz is supported by the Helen McPherson Smith Trust and the substation. Chambermaid receives multi-year funding from Creative Victoria. Thanks for listening.